Dozer, when you're done, bring the ship up to broadcast depth. We're going in. You have accessed the pirate signal. This is the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to The Deliberative, your premier podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today, like he does quite a bit, is Jim. (laughs) How's it going, Corey? It's going well. And not joining us today is Charles. He had something uh, personal come up at the last minute, and so he won't be with us today, which is going to be sad when you find out what it is that we're talking about, because he had a cool one that we assigned to him. But anyway, we're gonna, we'll, we'll try to get by without him. We hope him all the best. And uh, let, you know what? Right here at the top of the show, let's get right into the news. And it's nice to actually have some news for a change, although I will say, you know, things have not been moving terribly quickly, as we've mentioned on our last couple of episodes, but there are some new things. But before we get to the exalted news, uh, just, you know, Corey and Jim news and Charles news, actually, <laughs> is that uh, we do have a new podcast, a new show that we're be- uh, we're starting uh, with another friend, uh, Taylor, and the four of us uh, have a show called games of divinity <laughs> and by the title you might think that that's another exalted show and uh we you know we definitely were we're kind of you know leaning on that exalted thing a little bit but we're we're actually talking about games and divinity in the show and so jim was just like hey what about games of divinity as a title like that's actually pretty dang good <laughs> so that's what we're going with but uh anyway we're it's a show all about like games and geek culture and also faith and the Bible and God and and just kind of how all those sort of things come together. Uh, so anyway, our first episode, for example, is like, should we even be doing this? Like, should Christians, people of faith, like, should we even be playing games that are full of, uh, you know, pagan deities and witchcraft and sorcery and all of that kind of stuff? And so uh, if you've ever wondered about that, like, go have a listen to our first episode. You, you'll hear some some pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting input from that over there. But anyway, we've got a lot of cool things that we're thinking of coming down the pipe of what to talk about. Uh, and so we've, we, the next one that we've got lined up is, is very contemporary. It's, it's very much in the moment. And, uh, and so anyway, I hope you'll check out Games of Divinity if that interests you at all. You but, think we uh, should put a link in the show notes or something? Or yeah, we could. Okay. We could. Although, Make you know, it easy. It, yeah. It's although, like you know, if, with the if way they would have just put today, a link, I would listen. But now yeah. I got to go type it in. I can't ah. type games of divinity in a search field. That's terrible. Yeah. So anyway, it's it's where you can get it wherever you get your podcast. It's pretty much everywhere now. So uh, anyway, take a look at that. We're doing that show kind of like once a month at least to start with. We'll see how it goes. But um, anyway, back on to this uh, exalted news. We do have some potential interesting things coming up here with the, I think they're calling it the fourth annual uh, virtual Onyx Path Con or whatever. It's coming up here just in like a week. And one of the things that they have on the schedule is an exalted panel on June 16th at 8.30 p.m. And now that's going to be an interesting thing to take a look at. Will we see announcements for anything that has not already been announced in the last five years because we have just been cruising off of a slew of announcements that came years ago 
you know, all of these books that we're waiting on currently, uh, you know, across the eight directions, crucible of legends, um, yeah, gosh, I can't even think, you know, of course the adversaries of the righteous and hundred devils night prey was kind of all part of that. But you know, all these books, we've, we've had the same list of upcoming books, like literally forever. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's just like, there's been like no change to that no new ones being added. And so I'm, I'm very interested to see if they will, you know, drop the name of a new book. Now I know that they've said that, you know, maybe they've announced some of these things a little too in advance in the past. And that's caused people to get, you know, sort of anxious about stuff taking a long time to come out. But I mean, people are also getting anxious that you're not announcing any new books. So, Corey, so I, I have a, a question. Somewhere. I have a question for you, Corey. So, June 16th at 8 30 p.m., that's the Exalted yeah. panel. Yeah. Um, you know, you are a, you now have the uh, drawback of a known anathema. Are you going to have to di- dim your anima to sneak into this to, to find out what's going on? Yeah, I can mute my anima like a nightcast. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know if I even want to spend an hour of my of my time looking at that because that'll be, what is that? Will that be Friday night? I mean, I've, I've got stuff to do Friday night at 8.30 p.m. So uh, I may just wait and see what, you know, shows up the next day rather than taking an hour to listen to it. So, but yeah, you make a good point. Like, <laughs> yeah. So anywho, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm just interested to see if they announce anything new. Also in the news, there is another novella. We've talked about all these novellas coming down the list. There's one called scoundrel song making its way through the meeting notes right now. Uh, I think that might be one of the Essence novellas. I think they had like three novellas that were coming out because of Essence, and that might be one of them. Has an interesting title. Be interesting to see how that plays out. But uh, speaking of novellas, we have had surface truths in the at press section uh, with POD proof on the way for like six or seven weeks now. I, you know, I have seen things with in being the POD on the way status like many times before, and it always was like one week later, uh, you know, that was moving on where you could buy a copy of it. I have no idea why this one is languishing so long in that in that sort of state. But anyway, it's still there. What the heck's going on with surface truths, people? They're like, we have to figure out what truth means before we can finally print this. Uh, also, <laughs> Crucible of Legends has moved into proofing, which is, uh, you know, this thing's kind of been sneaking. It's been sneaking through the final phases of development here, and now it's into proofing, which means we may have a crucible of legends this year depending on how long it gets stuck in pod proofing or whatever but uh anyway i I, i'm excited for this book i mean it's we we knew about this before it was even announced by onyx path because eric minton told us about it off air when we interviewed him during the first season of the deliberative he was like wow that long ago yeah yeah wow. he was like keep this one on the dl but this is what we're working on and uh we were we even knew the title of it and everything you know and it was like oh this is cool you know and uh so i mean but yeah that was like five years ago i just you know there's always these like excuses in the stories of like well you know it takes much longer than you think for these things to to, to happen and i just don't think that I don't think that that's right. Like, I don't, I don't think it's true that it takes five years to 
make a book. Now I know the last, you know, the last three years or whatever have been sort of extraordinary in some ways, but I mean, I don't know. I, it just, dang, all this stuff seems to take so long, but I'm looking forward to finally having Crucible of Legends in my hand, hopefully this year. And then there was this really weird statement. I thought it was weird. It struck me as weird in the, uh, in the blurbs, in the Monday meeting notes this week about how exigence is next after eight directions finishes up with the art. <laughs> and, and I was like, wait a minute, exigence is next. I mean, like we, we did the Indiegogo for that thing like a year and a half ago. And you're yeah. telling me, you're telling me that we're just getting started on the art now after across the eight directions is finished. Like, first of all, why aren't you doing it at the same time? Now, you know, I'm no industry insider, um, so I don't know how all of this works. Maybe these art companies that they outsource all this art to, uh, you know, maybe they only have two or three of them, you know, Gunship and then whatever the other one was, you know. And I, like, I think I think on that original Indiegogo, I, I remember, and I'll have to look and double check, or you can correct me here. I think when we pledged it, I, I made the statement, Christmas of 2024, we'll have the physical copy at our hands. I think it was December yeah. 2024 was when it was supposed to come out. Yeah. Was it 2024? I wow. think so. Something like that. Yeah. Just crazy. Oh. Just but but I mean the thing is though like if this is what's if if this is what's causing the problem that you have a limited number of human artists that you're having to oh, you know, farm the startup <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can hear you, he said human he's gonna say something else about AI. But, <laughs> but if you have this limited number of human artists well you know I have always said that it seems to me like the thing that slows down the publication of all these books is the fact that Onyx Path is trying to do a hundred things at once you know they're trying to do the they came from this and they came from that and the Trinity and the Scion and the World of Darkness and the New World of Darkness and Exalted and Legend Lore and and Scarred Lands and you know Branch Riders and Dystopia Rising <laughs> like they're trying to do too many things and everybody says no 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 it's different teams it's different teams working on this and this and this and that well if it's if it all hits a bottleneck in the art because you have a certain number of human artists that that can only produce so much art at a given time then that gigantic wide catalog like that is going to slow down all of this stuff and it's going to slow think if it you down keep talking lot. about ai art you're going to be known as the double anathema <laughs> it's like it's like now all hey. the all the human artists hate me too <laughs> well i mean you know it's it, i mean i get it that ai certainly threatens the uh it threatens the livelihood of some of these people who you know that make art or whatever and 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 you know nobody really wants that nobody wants it to threaten uh your livelihood but at the same time, I mean, it's it's kind of like the whole thing with like the, the local McDonald's or Burger King or whatever. You know, they've got the help wanted signs out forever. They keep raising the rate that they'll pay you. And yet they're still having a problem hiring people. And so they start putting in computerized kiosks. And at some point, like, can you blame them? I mean, they're yeah. trying to get, you know, and so it's kind of the same thing with some of this. It's like, well, we keep trying to farm this art out to these people, but they don't have the capacity and we'd really like to make more books. And if we could make more books, we would actually give them more business. But to take some of the pressure off of this backlog, we're going to need to use some AI art for some of this. And I'll tell you what, the AI could do a dang good job 
it can do a dang good job. So, yeah. uh, I mean, you know, you want to be like uh, ethically sourced art or whatever. I mean, just you could say, well, no more than 50% of our art will come from AI. But even if you did that, even if you said no more than 50% of our art will be generated by AI, you've still now you've taken a lot of pressure off of that bottleneck. So, mm. and also, you could have your human artists working at creating reference images that you could then use for the AI to mass produce things based on those reference images. I don't know. I'm just, I'm yeah. spitballing here because, you know, the goal at the end of the day should not be to employ artists. The goal at well, the end of the like day for you, this business could, should be to produce awesome books. You could crank out tons of sketches in a day as compared to like 100% finished artwork. So if you're yeah. just cranking out sketches, you know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe you charge 75% or 50% of what you would normally charge, but now there's so much going and you're getting more money quicker and you're just cranking out a sketch that the computer takes from there. And I don't know. We'll see yeah. how it all shakes out. Yeah. I just think, you know, that for the, for the business of making role-playing books, uh, that could help do that faster. Cause it just seems like art is the thing that slows everything down. So, Whereas, like, you ask me for a cool picture or something, I'm going to have it to you within 30 minutes. Even if I had to run it 100 times to get it exactly what you want or what what I wanted or whatever, like, I'm still going to have it in 30 minutes and not 30 days, you know? So, hey, it's good stuff. Anyway, it's just kind of a weird, it was a weird statement that they had to wait for eight directions to get finished going through the art design so that they could then move over to exigence and it just feels like exigence was so long ago and yeah. it's like we're just getting started on the arts like yeah <laughs> soul crushing <laughs> so anyway uh the other thing that is you know we're we're really like staring down the barrel of an essence book release finally coming uh soon so uh, that's that's kind of you know really been on deck here for for the last few weeks but it seems like it's imminent that we could end up with a final essence book at any time we've already got the the advanced pdf that has all the you know c page xx things in there but um but that's being finished up and now we should be getting you know they're, they're sending off for pod proofs and all that kind of stuff we should be having essence in our hands hopefully within the next month or two so that'll actually be cool. I'm not a fan of Essence, but I am looking forward to holding that book and flipping through it. And, <laughs> you know, so it'll be very cool. I did order, you know, like I think I said, I think I ordered the uh, deluxe edition of that because, you know, can't go without having a deluxe edition of something. So anyway, you got to get them all. Got to catch them all. <laughs> Absolutely. We were just having a n nice long chat about gotcha games before we started recording this morning. <laughs> and the directions that the the, the world is taking in the, those those games. I mean, it's pretty pretty fascinating stuff. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely a collector at heart. I love to collect stuff. But getting into this week's discussion, actually, why don't I turn it over to Jim to introduce our topic for this week? Okay, Corey, so today we are talking about ghost stories in Exalted, like how you can tailor your game to get some of the, the horror feel or something along those lines. Like, what can we do? Uh, what, what, is, what is existing in the universe to play a kind of different kind of game? Like, you know, like, 
let's go out and explore and 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 have this creepy haunted kind of ghost story instead of this um i'm the solar that shows up and saves the day and i'm fighting all the dragon blood so Mm -hmm. what what can we do to look at the game of exalted uh from a kind of a a horror slash ghost hunter kind of experience but before we dive into this i I thought it was i thought it was a good time i I want to share this story with you that happened at work uh it's actually kind of a a little bit of a ghost story so we had um I, i work in the electrical industry you know we we do um we service people that you know have electrical issues they call us up we come over we we fix their problems so one day we get a a phone call from this from this sweet little old lady she calls and uh, the dispatcher answers the phone and she says you know what what what's your problem and she says my electrical panel is haunted (laughs) and like of course the dispatcher is like let me send you to the general manager and i'm sitting in my office and i you know they have this intercom speaker system you know through the phones and i can i can overhear some of this stuff so she's like i have this lady on the line that says her electrical panel is haunted and he's like what (laughs) like the general manager's like what do you mean she's like i don't know i'm sending her to you can you please find out what's going on? So he picks up the phone. And he's like, yes, ma'am. She's like, yes, I need someone to come over and look at my electrical panel. It's haunted. And uh, he's like, well, what do you mean it's haunted? You got like flickering lights or what's going on? She said, no, the, the electrical panel is saying my name and talking to me. And <laughs> he was like, okay, well, I could. You know, he's he's like, okay, this lady's lost her mind, but he's like, uh, ma'am, I could I could send a technician out, but we we do have a a fee to diagnose the problem, so, you know, and he tells her the fee, and she's like, I'm fine with it, just send somebody over. So he calls this tech up, and he's like, hey, I need you to go check out this lady's panel, it, it's haunted. <laughs> and he's like what she's like yeah. he's like yeah yeah it's it's haunted uh, just go over there and figure out what's going on so the uh the technician arrives and goes into the lady's house and you know he's he's just like well what's going on ma'am are, are, are the lights flickering and she's like no no the the panel's talking to me it's it's saying my name <laughs> and uh he's like well do you want me to look at the panel see what she goes no 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 i want you to hear it first and he's like, okay, um, um, how often does it happen? She goes, about twice every hour, I hear it. So they're just sitting there chatting, and he's just trying to get some information. And then a voice, there, a voice comes up, you know, like, like they hear a voice. And she goes, that's it. And he's like, okay. She goes, it'll do it again. Just give it a second. So then they hear the voice again. And... She goes, did you hear it? It said my name. It said, hello, Valerie. And he was like, okay. And she goes, it does that like twice every hour. It says, hello, Valerie. Hello, Valerie. (laughs) And he was like, ma'am, I need to go make a phone call real quick. So he walks outside 
and he gets on the phone he calls the office you know by this time everybody in the office has heard about the haunted panel <laughs> the haunted electrical panel so when he calls, he goes hey he's calling so he puts it on speakerphone and we're all like crowded around listening you know we want to hear what's going on so uh he calls up and uh the general manager says uh did you did you hear a voice he goes yes i did i heard a voice and he's like oh you did hear a voice he's like yes i did he goes but it's not coming from her panel it's coming from the smoke detector that's above the panel and he goes Uh. oh really he goes so what are you what are you gonna do he goes well i I need some advice (laughs) and the the manager was like i don't know what kind of advice to give you you know i've never heard of a haunted uh electrical problem before he goes no i need your advice i need to know how to tell this woman that her smoke detector is saying low battery (laughs) <laughs> without making her feel bad so, <laughs> so the, the smoke detector was saying low battery low battery and this woman thought it was saying hello, hello valerie. valerie hello valerie so, <laughs> it was crazy so he's oh. like just be gentle and change the battery in her smoke detector for her <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, actually what you should, what you should do in that case, I learned this from when I was a pastor is, uh, you, you go ahead and change the battery out. You tell her that she might not want to see this. And then you tell her that you have performed the exorcism and that's going to be $2,000. Uh, you learned that as a pastor, huh? Well, they, there, was this, there was this family that was like, you know, we think our we think our house is haunted, you know, by the this uh, this spirit or whatever. Would you would you exercise the ghost for us? And uh, and I was like, uh, no, I don't I don't do those kinds of things. And uh, you know, I kept I kept like serving this family in so many different ways uh, while they had like a. a an old like an older the mother was like uh, homebound or whatever and I kept, I kept doing all these things for this family and then when the woman finally died uh the children who had been taking care of her they they now that they could actually get out and go to church on sundays they went to some other church <laughs> and I, oh, was wow. like, I was like you know what i should have told them yeah i'll exercise the ghost it's gonna cost me about uh, five grand <laughs> i kid i kid i would never do that to somebody but uh anyway i just <laughs> but yeah change the battery just be like we took care of it it was a really big job <laughs> No, that's dishonest. I uh, kid. You should never do that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So let's get back into the world of ghost exalted stories. Now. Yeah. <laughs> exalted ghost stories. Yeah. So I am going to talk about the city of Charuscaro. Mm-hmm. Um, and how it can be used to do some exalted ghost stories or some uh Tomb Raider kind of dungeon dives or, or, or whatever you want to whatever whatever you want to incorporate into your game so if you're like me uh, when you pick up a book like exalted or just about any role-playing game you go straight to ch- the chapter on character creation and you skip right over all the setting and uh, <laughs> so Blasphemy. it's like I, I will just make my character and I'll place him in my own little world and start playing. But if you do that, you're missing really good stuff uh, in the settings chapter, which 
man, just look, just read the settings chapter and find uh, a location and like deep dive into that location. And there's just a, a treasure hoard of stuff you can that, that just reading the description will give you so many ideas, so oh, yeah. many hooks. So on page 96 of the core rulebook, it introduces the city of Charuscaro. And we've, we've actually used this city in some of our games. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, it's just a, such a cool setting. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you the description for those of you who skip over chap, the chapter 1 and chapter 2. So it says, Charuscaro is a vast shattered metropolis rising from the ruins of, a, of first age glory. Once its shining towers of imperishable glass stood dozens of stories high, catching the light and glowing with all the hues of an eternal sunset. But now those towers have fallen and their ragged stumps rise from a confluence of shadows and rubble. Districts of softly glowing magic glass are separated from one another by tracks and channels of ghost-haunted shadow. Streets Mm. of blood-red vermilion course through the city, alive with magic of old and the arteries of a heart that still slowly beats. So when I was first introduced to this city, it was during the game we played, I believe it was Unearthed, Mm-hmm. Where you described it as all these salt lines, like and and ghosts that actually you can see them, like in the city, walking mm-hmm. around. So the salt lines are there to contain the ghosts, almost like supernatural. When when uh, the the show Supernatural, when yeah. there's a demon or something coming in, and they start salting the windows and the doorways to keep the demon out. Mm-hmm. And there's always something that causes a salt line to break, like, you know, uh, some insider uh, rakes their foot across the salt line or um, uh, there's maybe a demon that's so powerful that they can cause the wind to blow the salt off of the window and then they mm-hmm. can come in that way. So these salt lines in the city act pretty much the same way. They keep things contained. So, um, what you have in this, um, and also I, I got to backtrack a little bit. Also, another cool element to this city is, um, there's a place called the Plaza, which is run by a spirit called grandmother bright. And everyone wants to live in this Plaza. It's like very coveted, like, But Grandmother Bright only allows so many people to live there. I think it's like a thousand or something like it's limited. And what's so great about the plaza is it's actually a bunch of apartments that have all these first age um, uh, amenities that that, that go along with it. So. It's, it's like, like the power's still on there when it's yeah, out everywhere exactly. else. It's like yeah. you want to walk in this futuristic, like, Alexa-controlled kind of, I know that's anathema to you, but, <laughs> like, you know, you walk in and you say, lights on, like Star Trek or something or whatever. Like, oh, make me a meal. And there's, like, all this this stuff that's left over from the first stage. So all these people are waiting to get into this plaza. It's like an and Apple the, store. 
Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the only way to get into this plaza is someone has to move out or die, you know, and then like if you're on, you're the next on the wait list, you get to move in. So that's kind of like some motivation to like do some things like maybe you want to uh, help help uh, someone get into a position so grandmother bright does require the aid of some heroes so maybe she'll mm-hmm. bump somebody up the list if you do something for her like maybe check out this haunted area of the town so um so how do we make this spooky you know, we could do something like there's there's it's numerous kind of spooky. It is like you, <laughs> yeah. you really don't need a lot of help. Yeah. Um, so um, there's numerous little pocket shadow lands that exist throughout the city. Um, you have the potential of things left over from the first age that you can dive into, whether it's uh, artifacts or. Uh, maybe spirits that were never quite put the rest and maybe you could find out information from the first age from these ghosts that have just been kind of hanging out here for forever um you could talk about the uh you know these these ghosts may know about the usurpation or the contagion that happened when this city was um at its height and its peak so uh this city kind of dwindled during those two events uh, but then someone named the tricon or a group the tricon came in and they basically um suspended taxation for 10 years which like really prompted people moving back in so there's it's a bustling town it's actually the biggest city in the south um which there that's its location i forgot to mention that it's in the south mm-hmm. it's on the northern shore uh, just below the Blessed Isle. It's the biggest city in the South. So there's a lot of activity here. Um, you have the shadow, the little pocket Shadowlands. So what can we do? We could have like a local group or person has been promised power if he allies with some of these ghosts that exist in the city. And maybe he's like, hey, uh, we can't remove the salt lines why don't you remove it for us? Like, you know, that kind of shady character that like the wormwood that allies with the great evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you got to discover this stuff and figure it out. Maybe there's some, uh, maybe the city's expanding and they're trying to, uh, to uh, clean up some of the, like some of the rubble or the destroyed areas. And maybe they uncover something and you got to go down and uh, investigate. And, if you want to go like complete big let's go big maybe there's different factions of ghosts that are having a war within the city and the citizens are caught in the crossfires and your exalt group has to like squash or quell this um this this war that's happening between different ghosts i don't i don't know uh there's a lot of potential for story ideas just in this one city mm-hmm. i mean i you know when you're doing uh whenever you're role-playing or whatever the, the storyteller i as a storyteller i love to drop new plot hints and stuff like that like in downtime where the characters have decided well they're gonna bed down for the night and then there's like all kinds of ways you can move the story at that time uh you know with a dream maybe that a character has but also through nighttime 
uh, you know, adventures, night, nighttime interactions that, you know, maybe one character sees something or whatever. So we've done that quite a few times in our own game. It seems like Chiroscuro would be a great place for something like that with all of these ghosts and salt lines everywhere, you know, like in the middle of the night, the ghost just kind of, you know, walks by the door whoever's like on watch or just somebody who's up, you know, at that point of the night, go to the bathroom or something, you know, <laughs> sees this ghost and, uh, you know, it could start you on this like fun, this fun, spooky little ghost story type adventure. I mean, you're, you're going to be aware that there are ghosts present, you know, that it's not, it, it's not like in our world where there's like, well, is there a ghost in this house or is there a ghost in this electrical box or, you know, whatever, uh, like there's obviously ghosts in Charoscura. They demonstrably exist there, you know, but <laughs> you can still play on the, the spookiness of it, of one showing up in an unexpected place and leading somebody on a potentially dangerous little escapade you know and and then maybe if somebody finding themselves surrounded you know like uh if a ghost like led them at night you know like a like a pretty girl ghost or something it's like beckoning and <laughs> floating along or whatever and the person gets lured into something which is uh pretty in a pretty dangerous situation you know you could there's all kind of, you could have a repeat visitor you know that just is like slowly revealing information giving hints or looks like she's calling you know she's calling for somebody it's repeating the same message every night like uh like princess leia and the r2d2 message you know i mean there's all kinds of cool things that you could do that set up sort of a ghost story even though you're in a city that's known for its ghost stories but um and i always like the idea of like when you stumble upon some like because you know you can physically see the ghost in 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 exalted mm -hmm. um when you come across like a whole village of ghosts and they don't even know they're dead, like they're just oh, yeah. ca carrying out their daily lives and don't realize that, you know, they've been doing the same thing for the last 2000 years, you know, I see dead people. <laughs> yeah i didn't want to spoil that movie so i didn't mention it by name but if you know what? the movie <laughs> that that line's from because i i didn't want to get branded with a spoiler alert like i always do <laughs> uh yeah there's there's some cool stuff in char you know uh in our i think we in our adventure uh that we did that that you know briefly went to chiroscuro we uh, the characters talk to grandmother bright to get some information to head down into the undercity to find some ancient library and we were attacked by ghosts while we were in that library right, right. and uh, that that was pretty cool so oh uh, yeah and, uh, just i don't want to steal any of your thunder but i just want to make mention uh when you're dealing with ghosts um the core doesn't give you a lot yeah. but if you check out hundred devil's night parade there's a whole chapter on ghosts and there's some ghosts in there that like I would have never thought of like a barrow hound or or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. So check out the Hunter Devil's Night Parade and get some good. I, I mean, I was just reading the description of the hungry ghost and I was like, man, I could do so much with that. That is such a cool uh, description of a ghost and mm -hmm. it just gets your um, your mind going and your creative juices flowing just reading about some of the different types of ghosts that exist in Exalted right. yeah lots of good stuff out there and of course there's lots of uh, lots more ideas in second edition in their um, role of glorious divinity I think it was like the volume 4 maybe of the uh, books of sorcery have a lot of ghosts in there. It, some of those have not been translated yet into third edition. So you can get some more ideas 
for those as well. But uh, the, the location I wanted to talk about that would be a really cool one for ghost stories. And, and I guess it came to my mind as we were discussing this potential topic of doing something about ghost stories was because I think I, I've always wanted to set a game in this area, and that is the Imperial Mountain. And specifically the top of the Imperial Mountain, where the ancient city of Meru once existed. Meru was this place that just had, I mean, you talk about like the uh, the plaza in Chiroscuro having all of the, the amenities and stuff turned on. Well, Meru was the place that had all of the the first age wonders. I mean, it was it was every kind of magitech technology stuff that you could possibly imagine, or at least it was in second edition. Third edition has dialed the magitech stuff back a little bit, but it would it would still be very appropriately titled like a city of wonders. Uh, this is this is their version of Mount Olympus. This is where the gods lived. And, uh, and so the, the amount, and of course, you know, with the full might of the exalted power from the first age, when you had these mighty solars who not only had they defeated the, the primordials, like these are the people who defeated the primordials. They also had thousands of years of experience and, and development and progress being made in learning their power. They had essentially been handed the, the reins of creation by the gods. And they used those reins to create some amazing stuff. And so this city of Meru, if you've never seen some of the pictures before from second edition, like in the uh, Dreams of the First Age box set, there is a whole little uh, interesting sized book. I say interesting size because it's like it's like the dimensions of like a brochure, uh, but it's it's thick like a novella. But, um, and it, and it has like a neat material and there's all in a, it's this like kind of sepia toned ink and everything. But anyway, you flip through that thing, you, you see a lot, it, the whole thing's about Meru, the, that whole little booklet is about Meru, but it, it, it's a city that sits as sort of like a crown on the top of the Imperial mountain. So if you imagine the Imperial mountain as being like a head, this city sits around the head uh, it's sort is of it cantilevered, like a, like a halo or something. Yeah, like a halo. But it is, it is like touching the mountain uh, instead of like floating around it. But it's like, it's like it's cantilevered. It's built into cantilever design, where these massive supports. Because this is a massive city sitting on top of a massive mountain. I mean, you know, we've talked about the discrepancies in how the Imperial Mountain is described uh, throughout. <laughs> The, the different editions, you know, like I think it's at one point they said something about it being 300 miles tall. And that's pretty while tall. they've that's ridiculously tall. <laughs> I mean, uh, that means on a, on a flat world like creation is uh, you should be able to see the Imperial Mountain from anywhere, like literally anywhere. You should I be think able to you see asked it. that in a uh, I did. I asked discussion the thread. Yeah. You know, when you were still that. allowed in those things. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, but yeah, the. Uh, the mountain is still really big though. Cause in the description of the Imperial mountain in the third edition, even it talks about like, you know, this, uh, this tale of the amaranthine dragon, which is like a pilgrimage tale that go or a pilgrimage trail that goes up the side of the mountain with all of these immaculate shrines at various places along the way. And that it goes up for miles up the mountain. And then when you get to the very last one, 
which is the uh, the pagoda of heaven's end, it says that there are still countless miles above that. So, you know, we're still talking about, even though, you know, maybe they've, they've kind of dialed back from the 300 mile tall mountain, it's still an insanely tall mountain that would dwarf, you know, K2 here on earth. It is... It is unbelievably tall. So being unbelievably tall, it is also unbelievably wide. So this is just a huge piece of real estate. So Meru was this monster-sized city. I mean, like, like really, like, inconceivably large that sticks out, like, in this, like, like Jim said, kind of like a halo or like a crown sitting around the top of the mountain. And to get to it, people would either fly on flying machines or flying ships, or they had all of these gates of auspicious passage that went to the city that people could like essentially like warp there from, from all these different locations in creation. So, I mean, they, they had an internet uh, with like real time messaging and they, Mm -hmm. they had, I mean, it was, it was a city that we would still like we today, you know, if we had like a sci-fi show talking about the future, it would look, it would look like that. You Don't know. you see something like that in the um, Return to the Tomb of Five Corners? Like you, um, you, you go into this room and then like it instantly teleported you to the Imperial Mountain to like find some artifact for yeah, one there of were the some characters. Gates. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. I don't yeah, know if that's it, in the third edition, but I know it's I in second. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, the whole thing with like the gates uh, joining places—it always reminds me of the book *Hyperion* by Dan Simmons, and the way that these people in the in this like kind of future world, there, like some of them would even have like a house where one room would be in this other location, you know, and like, and then the kitchen would be in another, like on a whole nother world, you know, and these gates between the rooms of the house would like connect you to these different rooms with your, so your mansion, like a rich person's mansion, their rooms would actually be spread out across the universe, but they would be connected through these doorways that they would walk through. So it was like one house, but anyway, yeah, that, that, uh, that idea of just being able to gate in and out of the city, I thought that was pretty cool. There was also, there are like rivers that flow from the top of the imperial mountain remember this thing is massive and so there are these rivers that flow and they have built all these canals and locks along the rivers so you could actually take a boat through all the canal locks and stuff and you could take it all the way up to the city which is kind of weird uh that seems like that would be an insanely long trip but anyway still (laughs) it's mentioned as a potential possibility in that Meru book in the dreams of the first stage box set talks about that. But anyway, so what about the city? Why are you talking about, I thought you were talking about haunting and ghost stories. Well, because of the fall of the solars, Meru fell. I mean, there was like magic holding up the, the foundations of the city that fell apart. Uh, so these giant pieces of this city floor slash road ground, whatever they have fallen upon the mountain uh, they, I mean, like there was such a cataclysmic fall, right? But now, now as you go up the mountain, you start running into at some point above the pagoda of Heaven's End. You start running into the ruins of this city, and now you have to imagine. First of all, the the sheer numbers of dead who would have who would you know when the city fell, the sheer yeah. number of people that were killed. Uh, there are a, a ridiculous number of potential ghosts that could be there. There are also 
potential for some extraordinarily powerful ghosts because Mm -hmm. the people who lived in Meru were some of the most powerful people in creation across all time periods. And so some of those insanely powerful ghosts, like the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo level powerful, you know, death Lord (laughs) level powerful ghosts could still exist somewhere up there in the hoary top of the Imperial mountain, but also so many of their wonders and their devices were run on like enslaved spirits that are now like their, their bonds are broken demons that had been, you know, kind of wrangled for the purpose of, of providing power or, or agency to a certain thing. There were sorcerers that had bound demons to their will. Absolutely. They were doing it like it was that, like they were mass producing iPhones, man. So like, yeah, I mean like they, they had all of this stuff, all these demons and goes. And so all of that potential is there, but also these people experimented on animals and, and spirits and other creations, stuff like that. So like, um, there, there is even the potential for like alien encounters high up on the Imperial mountain where some pet of a first age solar that, you know, like has, has survived and bred among the mountain, but it, it's been so twisted by magic and maybe being joined to demonic things that it's literally like an alien. Yeah. Uh, and so you have all of the potential. So as as your you know team of adventurers is heading up into this mountain, you have like the snow, you know, the wind and the snow and cliffs, you know, this like very this very intense dramatic atmosphere that is you know it's a thriller to begin with, where you know like you, you as you're trying to climb, people are falling, the wind gusts break up, you know, you got like cliffhanger type moments in there as you're just going up, which which builds this tension, but. like connected to that are these potential encounters with deeply scary things. And, uh, you know, so there, there's all kinds of potential for, you know, as you're, as you're trying to bed down in the snow, like some horrible alien thing is like stalking around outside your tent at night, you know, as the temperatures are plummeting and it's sniffing and scratching at the, at the, the surface of the tent, you know, or mm-hmm. you hear voices on the wind or you, you go into a building that's from some ancient city buried by an avalanche. And as, you know, as you get deeper and deeper in looking for treasure and finding some interesting things like eyes begin to glow in the dark around you. I mean, like, so there, there are like so, there's so much potential here for building that kind of story, even as you're setting yourself up for, I mean, like anytime there's like an ancient city full of wonders, I mean, it's, you've got dungeon crawl, like written all over it, but it should be a dungeon crawl that is just like liberally peppered with this, you know, ghost story haunting horrific scary because that's going to provide the drama for those scenes so i just think that it would be super cool also you're in uh you're you're like deep in forbidden territory because you're at the very center of the blessed isle and depending on like you know what kind of character you're playing with you know solar uh you're you're already way behind enemy lines in that that place but uh but if you're you know even if you're a dragon blood you know it's probably forbidden for you to be up there which means you're going to be in trouble if somebody finds out they might even have seen you go up there and they're going to send some you know some people to try to bring you back or to take you out and so you've got that on top of all of the scary stuff from just exploring this old place but 
I that's one of those locations cool. where you throw in uh, random perception checks just to keep the players on edge. Like, yeah, hey, everybody yeah. roll perception, you know, wits plus awareness or whatever. And they all roll and you're like, okay. And then you just keep moving on. And like, <laughs> there was like, what did we not see? And, you know, right. I, I yeah. love doing things like that just to keep them on edge a little bit. Right. I loved this. Uh, the, so you can find out, by the way, I, I didn't mention early on, but uh, you can find a lot of stuff about the Imperial Mountain and the ruins of Mario. Although not much. I mean, it's kind of it's sparse in third edition so far. Uh, you know, if you want to know about the city that was, you definitely go back and get the Dreams of the First Age box set stuff, and you can look at that. But you know, it pretty much it's it's just sort of it's an it's a blank canvas for you to write all kinds of stuff. But one of the interesting uh, descriptions of this place in the third edition, the realm book on, like I said, I think it's, I think I said it page one Oh six and one Oh seven of the realm. Uh, it says this, it says, uh, above the pagoda of heaven's end, which like I said, there's this pilgrimage path going part way up the mountain, but above the pagoda of heaven's end, there are still countless miles of rocky wilderness rising from wooded slopes through thickets and meadows to high icy places, perilous to mortals scattered among these places are remnants of the realm before cities buried by avalanches, spirit ravaged ruins and manses that have lain fallow since the contagion. Mm. So yeah, I mean, just, you know, they, they can, they paint a lot with just a few words in third edition. I, I really, even that, what you read earlier about Chiroscuro was yeah, beautifully yeah. written and so evocative. And, you know, you could take that and just sort of run with it as a storyteller and just really fill in details and make Don't it such take a cool my words for it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, you know, just some potential adventures that I was thinking about for Mary. Of course we already you know, kind of mentioned a few, but, you know, I, I, dream, gosh, this is kind of what I said for your Chiroscuro thing. I didn't realize it was kind of going over the same ground, a dream calling to one of the characters, planting the suggestion that something waits in the shadow of the ancient city. You know, that would be a great way to start a marrow adventure. Like if you're, you know, that, that old, like in second edition, we used to think about this all the time. I, mean, I guess even the, the quick start, uh, and the quick start for third edition kind of provides this as an impetus for maybe a beginning solar story is like, I got to go get my weapons back from yeah, my exactly. former life or whatever that's yeah. what i was thinking about i'm going to offer you one since you offer me one like a okay. vision a vision of your uh you know former uh, a former version of yourself like maybe that existed in the first age mm -hmm. um that you see like maybe you could even describe this gives you an opportunity to describe the city as it was like you could right. like the dreamlike yeah. stake or the vision, yeah, like it's the it. character walking through and, you know, and then like at the end of the vision, he places this item in this box and closes it. And then like you wake up and it's like, I got to get that. And so right. you go and looking for it, you know, uh, yeah. that would be fun. And then along the way, you run into all of these freaky, weird, oh, yeah. scary kinds of challenges. So, yeah. I, I think that would be such a fun game. Don't you think that'd be a fun game? I think I, it I just, would. <laughs> yeah, it's it's different than than what we kind of normally do with an exalted game. But I just think something like that would be so fun. Uh, one of the other uh, so I I was you know kind of searching through, thinking, racking my brain for places where you could do have some of these ghost stories, and uh, I was trying to pick one out for Charles, and then he ended up not being able to do the. Uh, 
the, the podcast today, but, um, but I would like to mention it for you because I think it's a really good one. And some of you might already be thinking about this, but in the realm book there on page 114 to 116, there is a section on the Valley of the Ancients. Mm. which is a place where a lot of first age solars are buried, like uh, sort of like their tombs are there. And it's, it's like one of the nicest neighborhoods, like one of the ritziest neighborhoods for dragon bloods to live. And the Empress, you know, would like give out commissions to several of her favorites to go and live in this uh, Valley of the ancients, but they're living kind of on top of and around the tombs of these ancient powerful anathema mm. and they have to even be careful how they build their houses and manses within that place because they don't want to disrupt the uh, the dragon lines in the way that would like uh wake up or disturb some of these these uh, tombs and so there's like this this just this like you know, sinister potential for disaster. That's like living right under the ground or not living the, the opposite of living, but uh, you know, like right under the ground all the time. And every year they throw like a bigger and bigger party. They always have to like outdo themselves year after year with a big festival to sort of like placate the spirit of these ancient dead. And so, you know, that with a, with a setting like that, there are just all kinds of potentials for really cool stories. I mean, you know, kids growing up in a dragon blooded household who, you know, decide to dare one another to go, you know, go down into one of these ancient tombs of the anathema or whatever. Uh, you know, you could have somebody build something that disturbs a dragon line and release releases some horror, like opening Pandora's box upon this, like, you know, beautiful area. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of cool potential for stuff there. So, and maybe there are lots of others. If you have some uh, some really cool ghost stories or places that are rife with ghost stories in the Exalted setting that you would like us to mention on the next episode that we didn't hit today, because, of course, I'm sure there are like dozens that we didn't look at. I mean, one of the ones that we thought about was just like the forest witches in general and the yeah, whole yeah. You know, sea of mine and all that kind of stuff that exists there. I mean, there's lots of ghost story potential Yeah, I was going to throw them in as an honorable mention. And also the... Uh, we sovereigns. just already did a whole episode about them, so I feel like yeah. we had them covered. Well, yeah. the so the sovereigns was uh, uh, has yeah, some potential yeah. for some spooky ghost story stuff too. Well, not In to mention just the entirety of the liminals. Oh yeah, you know, once definitely. we get all of that stuff, yeah, they are like the exalted ghost hunters. Exactly. So there's lots of stuff, but if there's something particular that you've always thought, oh, this is my favorite place for uh, for like a ghost story type type story then uh send us in let us know send your emails to the deliberative podcast at gmail.com you can also submit them to the message machine thread on our discord which there's always a link to that in the show description so you can come join our discord if you haven't already and what we love to do and if you've heard our show before you know we love to get people recording themselves talking about the thing so that we can put you on the show and interact with you that way so if you have something that you want to submit to us uh, please do it that way. Just record yourself, send that in again. You can just email that audio to the deliberative podcast at gmail.com and we will stick you in the show. So I think that's going to just about wrap it up. Oh, let me say this a little plug for my favorite new podcast, because it's one <laughs> of the things that made me want to do a, a show about ghost stories and exalted, but there is a new podcast that uh, a lot of us are listening to called haunted cosmos. And it is just phenomenal. Now, I will warn you guys out there, uh, the two guys who do it, 
they are very they are very Christian guys, and they're often connecting all of these uh, scary stories or whatever back to they're trying to understand it from a biblical perspective. So that might be like a real turn on for some of you people. It might be a real turn off for others. But their podcast is phenomenally well done. And you get to learn some interesting things there that I had never heard before. Like the first, the first episode, they're telling you about how Atlantis is in the Sahara desert and they're making a good case for it. Second, second, third episode, they're talking about the Mothman and there's so much stuff about the Mothman that I had never heard before on there. But anyway, really good, really good show. So, uh, take, take a look at Haunted Cosmos and, uh, if you haven't, it's, it's awesome. But anyway. I think that's going to just about wrap it up for this episode. So thank you for listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best. Goodbye, everybody. See ya.